Thank you for tuning in to the Comedy Girl Crush Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Urban. Today we have our guest, Rachel Bloom, and she is wonderful. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> I don't think I needed to tell you that. I think you would have said that anyways. Hi. <laughs> I took a drink of water. Um, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm sorry to the listeners if I sound a little hoarse. I was at a bar last night talking loudly. Do you use your, lose your voice when you're like at a bar talking loudly or is this just me? Um, I mean, not really unless stuff happens mm-hmm. after the bar. All right. You know, maybe I'm maybe I'm talking. Like lots of dick sucks. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah no, I don't the, know where I don't know where I was going with that. All the abrasive cum running yeah. down your throat. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no. As a singer, I hate losing my voice. It makes me feel like I've lost my power. Oh, that but it sounds really so, pretentious. Like, no, no, that it is your power. It's like, do you uh, do you like practice any kind of like like yoga mantras where you like no. find your power? No, no, it's just like the training that I had, like, I don't lose my voice often and I just don't like losing my voice. Anyway, boring way to start the podcast. You guys are like, <laughs> no this is fucking boring. <laughs> I used to do this. When I used to lose my voice, I used to do this thing where I'd go, um, I'd do the Fran Drescher voice. I'm like, mm. oh, Mr. Sheffield. Yeah. <laughs> but it only works if I lose my voice. So, oh, uh, I, like, I crave it because I never get to do that. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, um, you're awesome. Thank you. You are really fantastic. Thank you. Um, it's nice. In preparation for uh, for this podcast, I spent all day um, at work. My boss wasn't there, so I just spent all day watching your vids. And I'm like, well, I mean, not all day because there's it can't really like take up a whole no, no day. No, no, no. But unless you've been watching my home videos, what those take up days? Oh, I, do those exist somewhere that can be put online? Uh, yeah, actually, probably. There's. I was an only child, so every every second of my life, age zero to eight, is on tape. Oh, I mean, we wow. li- they literally have a cabinet full of just tapes. Yeah. It's oh insane. man. Yeah. So like, ev- like, like, like dance recitals. Oh and god, everything. everything. Me just, and it's also the things where it's like me on a little kitty roller coaster, and every <laughs> every second of me on the kitty roller coaster, and it's like we've already seen her go around once, like. There's no reason. Oh, you're, are you still recording? Okay, yeah, sure. We'll watch all of this. <laughs> I think it was like video cameras were kind of new. Not new, but like, yeah. you know, it just got to the point where like you could take them everywhere because like bringing a video camera used to be a big thing. And then I guess it was like the late 80s, early 90s when they were like, oh, you can really just like, I mean, it was still huge, but it's like, oh, you could take this anywhere now. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. So you kind of, uh, you were in the spotlight from a young age. Yes, very young age. So you're, you're very much used to people like watching you and paying attention to what you do, right? Yes. Yes. As a child, I always loved attention. Oh. I never got enough attention. And I think that's still kind of the core of <laughs> who I am. Like the undercurrent of everything I do feels very like, hey, look at me. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, you. Hey, 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 look at me. Like, like that's just like kind of what but I do. you've uh, luckily learn to um turn that into something that's enjoyable enjoyable for other people which is kind of which is pretty awesome that is that is a cool power to have to be like okay my need for attention uh how can i make this enjoyable for everybody yeah so you're an entertainer so it works out thank you yeah Yeah. i think it also comes with a self-awareness of um i you know 
hanging around with a lot of musical theater people who sometimes tend to be not at all self-aware <laughs> how like much they need attention. And I think once you start doing comedy and you're around comedy people who like give you shit for it, mm-hmm. you, you get really introspective like really quickly. Yeah, but then like it also becomes no big deal after a while. And you're like, oh, oh yeah, I guess this is just who I am. Yeah. I, nothing I can do about this now like I guess I accept this so cool yeah I remember that's something they said to me in a class in college where they were like uh remember why you became an actor like it wasn't because you want to like shine a mirror on society it's because you like attention like that's why little <laughs> kids like acting and it's like it's okay to embrace that like embrace that and then like be aware of it you know don't tell yourself like well and and it's okay to be in it for the art, but don't be like, well, I've always just, you know, I'm in it for the arts. Like, well, I went in it first because I like everyone staring at me and being <laughs> the center of attention. I just feel like that makes you, makes people so much more fun to be around. Yeah, if they just admit like to it, like. Yeah. 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 Indeed. Hmm. You know, I hadn't really thought about a lot of this before, so. Well, know. have fun sleeping. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> she's crying. You can't see if she's crying. <laughs> Uh, I was going to segue into something really brilliant there, but the tears have has distracted mm-hmm. me. Um, oh, um, col- uh, so you, you went to college. You went to NYU? Yeah. NYU. I, I've got she extensive has, like, notes. She has all these notes in front of her. She's really prepared. Guys, I have a really bad memory, uh, so I have to like... Yeah, I'm one of those people. It's really feeding my ego to see like (laughs) a bunch of like bullet points about me and all these like little notes. It looks like she's taking notes for like a history class. Okay, uh, speaking of feeding your ego. Yes. um, So looking looking on your site, you have uh, on your like for sale, like you sell things. Uh, You sell sheet music for your songs. Yeah. Which is really cool. First of all, it's super cheap. It's like... Yeah, yeah, like a dollar fifty or something. Oh, yeah, dollar eighty. Yeah, I originally I was doing it for free, and then uh, yeah, that's actually for like anyone who just wants to sing them, or also it's it's really aimed at like musical theater kids. Yeah, who want to use it for auditions because I had so much trouble when I was in school for musical theater finding like comedy songs. Yeah, and you end up doing these like comedy songs written in the eighties where it's just like I like pie, <laughs> and it's just like anything remotely quirky was considered a great musical theater comedy song yeah so any time that i could find a good comedy song i always like put it directly in my book that's what you have when you're a musical theater person you have a book you have Mm -hmm. a repertoire that you bring to every audition Mm -hmm. so i thought oh well maybe this could be useful cool um so it's kind of neat to think somewhere out there right now Mm because it's august Somewhere out there, some little girl, not so little girl, is trying to figure out a way to make one of your songs PG so they can perform it at their summer camp talent show. I hope that's the case. Good God. (laughs) I think there's a video online of a little boy singing I Steal Pets. No. And he's like 11. (gasps) And it's a door it's so it's so flattering it's so adorable and he doesn't say the word fag that's the one time he goes like whitney jones called me and then he like puts his mouth (laughs) over his finger over his mouth and then i commented on the video and i was like oh my god this is great he's like oh you commented on the video (laughs) um so i know that that's happened and I know that I Steal Pets in particular strikes a chord with like teenagers. Yeah. Because got, I've gotten some messages being like, 
oh, it's this inside joke between me and my friends. Like, it's like totally like a joke between us. And I, and you remember like that age having like with my friends and I, it was like Monty Python. Like my friend and I would always joke about the song Eric the half from Monty Python. So yeah. like, I love that. Like I get to be part of an inside joke for like preteens, like that's so cool for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I feel like I, if I were in high school or middle, like middle school or high school, I would totally have that as an inside joke too. I'd be like, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's great. Anything like subversive in general, like yeah. kind of becomes an inside joke or any, it's like anything random where it's just like, when I was in high school, this internet video called Rejected was really big. Have you guys ever seen it? Where it's this artist who's like, God, I forget who it is, but it it's like he had some rejected cartoons for commercials, and then it's just a bunch of like Oh yeah. Like not like my spoon is too big. Yeah. I am a banana. And like it's my funny. Anus is my bleeding. anus is bleeding. Good lord, my anus is bleeding. <laughs> yeah. And it was just the perfect amount of random and grotesque that we loved it. And yeah. like also like I was talking to my boyfriend about like dead baby jokes are so big when you're oh, a teenager. Yeah. And it's just because, like, you just want to be like, what's the worst thing that I can think of? <laughs> it's like, oh. Like, my boyfriend and I grew up on opposite coasts and we're a couple years apart. But, like, we both knew the same dead baby jokes. Yeah. It's amazing how yeah. dead baby jokes just span. Span space, space time, and, time. <laughs> and yeah, everything in between. It's beautiful. What's your favorite? Do you remember any great dead baby jokes? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, it's hard not, it's hard to not confuse the dead baby jokes with the terrible molestation jokes that we'd also tell each other. Um, but it's it's what I mean. What's the difference between a thousand dead babies and a thousand Lamborghinis? I don't have a thousand Lamborghinis in my garage. You know, it's yeah. just like oh, and then and then my boyfriend reminded me of one where it's like, what's the difference between like, what's the what's like oh, what's the worst thing about a pile, a truck full of dead babies. It's hard to unload them with a pitchfork. It's not even like a joke. It's just right. terrible. It's just, it's just finding ways to be awful. Like dead baby jokes are like the aristocrat, aristocrat yeah. joke for like teenagers. Someday we'll make a documentary about it. Because I never heard the aristocrats joke. No, me neither. But the dead baby jokes, yeah, there's a million of them. Yeah, it's crazy. Would you say uh would you say that kind of humor like dead baby jokes really I see a definite correlation in the music yeah. that you write now versus like dead baby jokes Well I think that growing up I was always like really torn if you want to get into my psyche <laughs> I was a musical theater kid but I also um really admired people who could be like really gross and really funny in vulgar ways that I was like kind of afraid to be because I was afraid of getting in trouble. Yeah. And gradually I started to get over that. Um, and then I found musical comedy, which was like a safe way to be subversive because I'm like on yeah. stage being like, a person can develop a cult. <laughs> so I'm like making people laugh, but I'm not doing it in like a way that I'll get in trouble. Yeah. And then meanwhile, I had this guy, I had a crush on named Zach forever he's still a really good friend of mine he'd be the one like telling like dead baby jokes and being like and and like giving people the finger and i'd secretly really like that so i think that started to become more my sensibility in high school so but i was always torn between like this happy happy musical theater and then like the darkest shit yeah and i i try to meld the two oh it's it shows like i was thinking on the way from the red line folks i take the metro in Los Angeles, so mm. I am 
hardcore yeah no, not really hardcore. people always act like i'm hardcore anyways uh i was walking here from the metro stop and i was thinking about that about how like oh, your music is like that great blend of like happy fun sunshine and like death and decay and like yeah. disease yeah <laughs> like, yeah yeah like i love that juxtaposition so much thank you yeah. it's also kind of a way i feel like of me telling myself because <laughs> i i listen to show tunes still like a lot and i'm like even when I get happy with show tunes, it's my way of saying to myself, hey, you, you're tap dancing? Well, cancer exists, you <laughs> fucking moron. Like, it's it's my way of keeping myself in check. Yeah. You know? In a way. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is fun. Like, this bread and circus is real fun, mm-hmm. but uh, there's real shit going down. Yeah. Like, it's me posting, fighting with myself. Yeah, like posting pictures of your ex-boyfriend's dick on yes, the internet. like that. Yeah. What's your favorite musical? Do you have a favorite? I'm sorry. Assassins. Ah. Yes. Ah, that makes a lot of sense. Although, well, yeah, I think Assassins as a whole, um, but I also, um, I mean, anything Trey Parker and Matt Stone do, I just love. I mean, yeah. South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, I think is just flawless <laughs> and then B- book of mormon's also incredible yeah but yeah assassins stephen sondheim and trey parker and matt stone are like <laughs> my two like the two people well, that makes that that makes a lot of sense they're very um in touch with the darker side of yeah and i'd say like another big influence is um candor and ebb they wrote chicago cabaret because their whole stuff is taking the sound of classic musical theater, um, and especially like a lot of classic kind of 1920s and then also like Berlin Cabaret and and finding these really dark sides to it. Yeah. Because that's what Cabaret and Chicago both do. Whereas like this is happy, but this is about murder, you know? Right. Like uh, it's really about Nazis coming in and ruining your party. Yeah, exactly. Like the song Cabaret is about an abortion. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that <laughs> I love that from a really young age too. Because the world is dark and terrible. It is, guys. Yeah, the world is terrible. Mm. We should all just kill ourselves. No, mm-hmm. no, don't, don't. No, please don't. Okay, no. I won't it, kill myself. A, thank you. I was going to tonight, but ah, I won't. So, yay. thank you. Success. I'm a superhero. Yes. Um. So you, uh, so you're a musical theater brat. I don't know. Do you say that musical theater brat? No, but it, it applies. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, from from what age? Well, well, like, did your parents push you into it, or was it they didn't like push me? No, my grandpa was an amateur director and actor. Okay, and my mom played piano a ton. So mm. from a very young age, I started, and I just always loved singing. My grandpa would kind of goad me into it. He'd be like, "This is he teach me songs," and then he'd be like, "Okay, Rachel, now sing them, sing them," but. I know I never felt pushed. I just really liked attention. <laughs> I can't <laughs> emphasize that enough how much I liked attention. Like, and I just think that like there was never, and I'm sure a lot of people are like this, especially UCB, but there was never a second that I ever considered anything outside of show business. Like, I think like when I was 10, I was like, I want to be a doctor, but I never meant it. Like yeah. I never wanted to actually do anything important. Like I said, <laughs> I wanted to be a doctor, but like, I have always wanted to be in show business. Yeah. Cool. So then you went to, so in high school you did a lot of plays. Did you have like a good theater? Yeah, it was a really good theater department. We had a lot of money. Oh, that was good. We were fortunate to be in a really good school system and that the department had a lot of money and we put on these really big 
musicals and like we get like outside people to come in and like direct and musical direct and it was really really cool i learned a lot where are you from again i'm from manhattan beach oh so here okay yeah right on friday Cool. And that, but then you went to the East Coast for college. Yes, because uh, I wanted to, at time, like, if you want to be a Broadway star, the only place to live is New York. Mm-hmm. And so I went to NYU, and I was like, oh, I'll never, oh, my God, sorry. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, I'll never leave. Why would I ever leave New York? Like, this is what I want to do. Why would I ever leave? And then here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you leave? Um, Because I started doing more comedy, and I, I didn't want to be um, auditioning for I just, I realized that I loved comedy and I loved performing my own writing yeah. and I loved comedy writing and I didn't, I liked comedy writing more than the lifestyle of just going on auditions for national tours. Yeah, gotcha. So that kind of became my choice. Awesome. Yeah. You're pretty, you're a pretty disciplined person, uh, right? Like how often, how, how often do you say you work on like writing? I don't know. I guess that's your job right now, right? Yeah. I mean, it's my job. It depends if some, I try to write every day. Yeah. I mean, having a goal really helps. So like Robot Chicken, I'll write every day nine to five. Yeah. And that's easy to do because that's writing every day. Um, But like I'm working on a musical right now. So like trying to like write every day to work on that. So like give or take, like I try to write every day. Yeah. But but, But if there isn't like a goal, if there isn't like a performance coming up or like some sort of deadline, it's, it's, it's just for anyone, it's really easy to not write. It's very easy to like, unless you have something forcing you to, you know, it's really easy to be like, oh, I'll work on that later. Yeah. Even though once you start writing, it's really fun. It's just right before you're like, oh, but I could also like fuck around on the internet for like 20 (laughs) minutes. Yeah. So you you write in like, like little, like spurts or like pretty consistently, would you say? Oh, I say once I start writing and I'm having a lot of fun, I'll write, I'll write in a long burst. Yeah, definitely, you know, if I'm at a coffee shop and like, because if I don't have Wi-Fi or if I just don't go on Wi-Fi, I get so much work done. So if I'm at like a coffee shop and I'm working, like an hour will go by, which is good. Yeah, I don't do, I know some people work in the thing where it's like 20 minutes, five minute break, 20 minutes, five minute break. But I tend, when I have an idea to write, to want to write in bursts. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Cool. I'm, I'm interested in like people's like work ethic and like their flow of, of how they get creative, like how do they stay creative? Yeah. 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 It's just, it's a muscle memory thing. I think at this point, yeah. if you write every day, you get that muscle. It's like improv, you know? Right. It's like any skill. Right. So sense. would you say, um, what kind of advice would you give to people who are kind of just starting out noobs, the noobs out there who are like, ah, oh, this, that's what I want to do. Um, I would say, what would I say? Um, well, first get, if you're going to do comedy, get, get yourself to some place where you can be collaborative and that you could be surrounded with people who are better than you are. Like a sketch comedy group. Like I started on a sketch group in college where like I was just surrounded with people who were learning it, but also better than I was. So like find some place where you can also like fail in front of other people that you can try. Cause trying your best and then failing is I feel like the only way you really learn. Mm-hmm. Cause like if you try your best and then it fails, you're like, okay, well I just got to get better. Yeah. Um, whereas like, I feel like 
the only way to do that is from in front of a live audience with comedy. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so like surround yourself with people who are better and, um, you know, just constantly be putting your stuff in front of an audience or like having table reads or something just to get like live feedback because I feel like that's the only way you get better. Yeah. Like more so I think than doing like films or like even like YouTube sketches because like that's kind of a, you make it and you put it into the world. And obviously once you edit a sketch, you see how it comes together and that's almost like audience feedback, but it's a lot cheaper to just do a sketch in front of an audience or do yeah. stand up in front of an audience or what have you. Yeah. And then I'd also say like, give yourself goals because otherwise like writing is really hard. And like, but if you give yourself a goal of even like, I'm writing a play, I'm going to have a table read in two weeks. So like now you have to finish the play mm. for the table read, you know? Yeah. Or like, I finished a spec a while back just because I was like, well, I want to apply to like the Nickelodeon diversity or the writing scholarship, which is yeah. like most, not not diversity, but like the Nickelodeon writing fellowship. So like that gave me a goal to finish the spec, which ended up paying off because I got hired for a job off that spec like way later. Oh, huh. yeah. Cool. What job was it? That was my first job, Alan Gregory. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, Rachel, uh, what are some of your influences? Like, who who were some of your, like, first influences and who are some of your influences now? Any, any like, old musical were, like, my first influences. Like, the old-fashioned, like, Singing in the Rain, Guys and Dolls, any kind of old-fashioned musical. Those were my, like, first influences. And then I started learning about comedy music and, like, like, I remember hearing Weird Al as a kid and just, like, having my mind blown and being like, oh, you can use music to, like, make fun of things. And it's not just <laughs> yeah. about, like, being happy and, hap and like, you know, happy-go-lucky. And then the same with, like, Monty Python. Like, one of the first albums I ever had was their, like, compilation of all of the comedy songs mm -hmm. from, like, all of their sketches and, and, and movies and, and TV shows and stuff. Uh, I referenced Eric the Half a Bee earlier. That's where that comes from. Um... And yeah, I'm trying to like, and, and then like, as I got older, um, I mean, like I started comedy, I was doing comedy in high school, um, but I really got into comedy in college. And then I started getting influenced like the Upright Citizens Brigade and Mr. Show. But like, that feels like relatively late, even though I was only 18, because there was like 18 years yeah. where I was just a musical theater kid who also liked comedy kind of on the side. Yeah. And then when comedy kind of came my main thing, my sense of humor did like a 180 because oh. like when I was a musical theater kid, there were a lot of things I found funny that were very like musical theatery, like yeah. funny voices. And <laughs> like, that's just like kind of a musical theater kid thing. And then when I got into a sketch group and I started to learn about sketch and kind of like the UCB way of teaching sketch, I just felt like a lot of the stuff that I thought was hilarious in musical theater. I was like, Oh, that's, that's stupid. That's lame. <laughs> it really felt like I, like a new puberty for me learning <laughs> comedy. Like that's that's really how it felt. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. I feel like I've I feel like I've gone through a similar thing, like uh, refiguring out of like, oh, this is actually what I like. Mm hmm. You know. Mm hmm. It's like, oh, I see. It's how I've seen the other side of the world. And I think that learning a technique is such a great way to see like the man behind the curtain behind yeah. it all. Like it's a very semi-mathematical way to like learn comedy so it's not just like i want to do comedy so i guess i'll just be funny it's like okay well if you want to write a good sketch here's how you open it here's how you introduce a premise this yeah. is what a game is and i feel like that that actually kind of like mathematically organized my thinking in a way that i really needed i think i really need structure yeah that's why i really need goals to write i really need 
reasons to do things. Otherwise, I can get very ADD about things. Like I can get, I can get very scattered. Yeah. You know? I was just talking about this to somebody about that, the freedom within rules. Mm-hmm. And um, having that kind of structure, you can find so much freedom within that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's why I like writing songs too is because yeah. I start with a genre. So automatically, in a way, it's cheating because it's like, well, here's the genre. I already have my structure. Yeah. And then I already have like things that are done within that genre. So now I, it's almost like, not Mad Libs, but it's like fill in the blanks yeah. of what this song genre is, you know? Right. And even like the structure of like writing a comedy song, like there's... There is a math to it, you know, like how to word it. It's like very specific to make it funny. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's really like writing a musical sketch is, yeah. what it, is how it feels to me. It feels like musical sketch comedy. Cool. Yeah. When did you start um, writing songs? I'd always liked writing. In high school, we did a lot of like skits. Like we had a thing called Noontime Theater where we do like little like holiday skits. And I call them skits because that's what they were. Because yeah. they weren't like sketches. And I, I remember my sophomore year, I was like, I wrote like a parody of West Side Story about Halloween where it was like, this is hollow. It was like, tonight, tonight, won't be just any night. It's Halloween. And I remember really liking that. And throughout high school, I kind of did that with like writing parody songs. Huh. And then when I got into college, um... I took, I didn't do it a ton on my sketch group, but I took a musical theater writing class. Sorry, do I keep going? (laughs) I took a musical theater writing class um, my, between my sophomore and junior year. And I started writing more songs then. But it wasn't until after I graduated that I made the connection really between sketch comedy and and musical writing. Because frankly, a lot of people were like, when are you going to stop doing musical theater and just start focusing on comedy? Like I didn't, in my mind, I hadn't really melded the two. I was like, yeah. well, musical theater is that thing. And then comedy is this other cooler thing, you know? Right. And now you've gotten the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yay. It's great, right? Yeah, it's it's really fun. Yeah. I love your songs. They're so great. Like, what I love is, um, like, it's such a happy thing because on one hand, like, the lyrics are so funny. Uh make me laugh but then I can legitimately dance to your songs which is great like it's also a testament to my um producer I was about to ask great yeah you're a producer so I work with this guy Jack Dolgen and he's the co-writer on many of these songs um and he produced the songs and he's great that name is really familiar to me and I don't know why yeah he's around he knows a lot of UCB people um and he does like he wrote the theme song for the show NTSF SDSUV. Ah, oh. And he really understands like production. Because yeah. I don't do any of the music production. I don't know how to operate Pro Tools. Yeah. Like I'm okay with GarageBand. Like I can make a demo of a song, but like that, all the production is him. Yeah, it's really great. Like I'll come in with chords. Like yeah. I'll come in with a song on piano or like, so this is how it goes. And then, and then he'll make the magic. Yeah, do you, yeah. like, offer things like, like, uh, yeah, I want you to auto-tune me here. Do you do that at least? Well, Or is um, it collaborative? It's collaborative. I think that if a song calls for auto-tune at the beginning, like, we'll decide, oh, yeah, this is a heavily auto-tuned song. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then it just kind of lends itself to, like, where yeah. it would be auto-tuned. And then when you write a song as a sketch, production things will come in where it's, like, you know, uh, for the joke where it's, like, I mean, in my mind, everything like serves the joke, right? So it's like, I'm trying to think of an example. 
where it's like, like I need to be talking about how the drums are loud, so then drums come in here. Yeah. But it's all like whatever is serving the sketch. Um, so it'll be production, things like that, but like everything else. Cause it's, I mean, when you go into making a song, it's literally like you do it piece by piece where you're like, bump, 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 you know, you start off with like a synthesizer and it's like, bump, 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 bump. And then he'll go on the guitar and be like, well, how's the guitar during this? And then like, I'll chime in with, with some of that, like, especially with anything piano based. Cause piano is like the instrument that I play. Um, be like, well, here's how the you know piano riff here goes, but but all the rest of the stuff is him. It's pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Did you ever think like this is this is it? Like this is what you're you're gonna be making albums and like. Um. When was that like? When was that point for you where you're like, uh, oh yeah, you know what? I should probably make an album. Well. Um. It was like kind of a two prong thing. It was like. What started the comedy songwriting thing was I was trying to write my own sketch show for UCB in New York. And originally it was a sketch show that took place within the context of someone in the show, a chorus line, talking about their life. And then as they talked, you'd go into different sketches. And at one point I was like, oh, well, if something takes place within a chorus line, there should be a song at the end um, because it's a chorus line, it's a musical. So then I wrote a musical song about the movie Space Jam. And, and I, and I co-wrote it with my friend and I was in the car with my boyfriend. We were driving cross country and I was like, Hey, can I play you this like silly Space Jam song? And I played it for him. And I remember he was like, wow. He was like, that's really like, he's like, that's really unique. He's like, maybe, maybe like you should do more of the music stuff in the show. And that's when I was like, Oh, maybe I'll make it a musical sketch show. And I, so I'd written some comedy songs, but that was the first show where I really like did the comedy song thing full force. And then it was also around the same time that I recorded Fuck Me Ray Bradbury yeah. because I wanted to be my own one person sketch group. And I was like, oh, well maybe this song thing is a way for me to like, um, you know, like kind of my coming out party of like, <laughs> oh, well maybe I'll do this like along with this UCB show that's musical. Maybe I'll do a music video as well. So then when that music video came out, I was like, oh, maybe I should do more. And then I think it was like a couple videos in where I was like, oh, I should do an album. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a gradual thing. Okay. But I definitely remember like being in the car with him and listening to that Space Jam song and him being like, this is really different. Like, that was really, really special. Like, oh. yeah. Having that like, yeah, yeah you're doing it right. Yeah, you're yeah, doing yeah. It right. Yeah. Yeah. Was, um, was there a point where you realized, like, where you personally realized that, like, oh, this is my, this is my comedic voice, this right here, like, oh, I get it now. Going forward, I know this is my voice, yeah. at least for right now. You know, I think um, I wrote on Alan Gregory for um, eight, seven, seven months, and right after that, or kind of during that, is when I wrote the song I Still Pets. And then I also wrote my second solo show or my second UCB show that was a solo show that went up at UCB called Rachel Bloom is a Triple Threat, where I played like a desperate musical theater actress doing her like musical theater showcase. And that was also a musical sketch show. <laughs> and it was around that time because both were about someone desperate, both involved like kidnapping and dark <laughs> things mixed with musical theater. That's when I actually, it was like that summer. So that's like two years ago at this point where I was like, oh, this is, yeah. I was like, this feels like my sweet spot. 
where it's like, 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 it's just like kind of like this character where it's like, oh my God, I'm totally going to kill you. <laughs> well, I'm not going to kill you, but seriously, I want to like rip your heart out. Whatever. Oh my God. Like, it's just like that. It's like finding your, and I feel like everyone has this where they kind of find their comedy alter ego, like mm. their stock character. Yeah. You know? And I think people can have different stock characters, but that propelled me into what I'm still doing now. Cool. That kind of character who does sick shit based in a very happy delusion. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's a, that's a really well put way. Yeah. Of- Cause I'm like pitching out a new show right now that like has that character. And then ah. like, uh, I'm writing, I just put up a musical last night, um, with like, that's like basically a fucked up, like thoroughly modern Millie where I play like an ingenue, like an ingenue who's escaped from a mental asylum. So it's, it's the idea of uh, cr- optimism so blind that it's crazy. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. And everyone, like, everyone, it's interesting, like, getting people, asking people what their comedy alter egos are. Like, I feel like um, I was talking to Eliza Skinner one time, and she was, like, she was saying, like, her comedy alter ego was, like, um, if you notice, she'll do a lot of sketches where it's like bad mom, where it's like honey, oh. and she, and like that's what she does a lot. And then like my boyfriend's comedy alter ego in like improv and in sketch tends to be this like almost like this very emotional, um, like slightly effeminate like man boy child. Like, even though he himself is not an effeminate person, <laughs> yeah. so it's like interesting what comes out on stage. It's almost like our souls. <laughs> Ah. These like kind of stock characters that we find ourselves playing. Because if you think of any any comedy performer, they do have these like personas and voices. And that comes out especially in writer performers, obviously. Yeah. Like you look at like a Louis C.K. or Lena Dunham. I mean, obviously, like they have these voices that yeah. are specific. Yeah. And you get a full sense of like who they are as a person. Yeah. And their point of view. And yeah. yeah. Just based off of who they are how they behave or act it's like yeah i think for everyone it's different it's like you know how they see the world or exaggerated things exaggerating what they think they are yeah you know or exaggerating what they hope they aren't yeah do you think that you are or hope that you aren't an overly optimistic person with a dark side um i think in my mind, it's an exaggeration of, like, who I still am deep down inside. Gotcha. Because I feel like, especially with this musical last night, like, performing that, and especially musical theater, that comes from a an escapist place in my mind. Like, it comes from a need to escape and, and want to be living in a world that is so fantastical it isn't real yeah that it's delusional because that's not what life is yeah but i i very easily escape into fantasy and into daydream so it's it's acknowledging that crazy part that's what it is it's acknowledging the escapist side of myself but then bringing in but then bringing in like but that's not what the world is yeah you know yeah all ties together like like in this musical i wrote um, perfect example is like there's a love song between like my character and like the love interest and the love interest is like an older kind of like masculine man and he and it's, a, and it's like we're singing this beautiful love song but 
then in the middle of it, the, like the lights change and you see what's actually happening and like we're fucking and it's very gross, like <laughs> it's very like gross fucking. And then it goes like back to the love song and like so that's just such a contrast between like she's so beautiful and it's talking about love and it's poetic love, but at the end of the day, like he's singing about fucking and fucking is a very unpoetic, un an unbeautiful thing <laughs> fucking is gross it is it is it is a it is an animalistic act that yeah. is like deep within our souls so it's like yeah. those two contrasts yeah yeah. yeah. I love it. And I, I'm sorry I missed it now. No, no, I'll put it up again. It's oh, fine. good. There's just act one. Yeah, there's the act one. Yeah. Now you've got act two. And then are you going to are you gonna put act one and two together or something? That's the goal. Yeah. Act two will make no sense without act one. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'll put it together and then um, take it, you know, try to submit it. I don't know. We'll see what happens with it. We'll I'm, see, like take it to festivals or something. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm just happy over it in a musical. Have you done a lot of, have you done, you've done a lot of festivals. You did, um, what festivals have you done? Well, I did Montreal. Montreal, right. (laughs) That was pretty much it because I did the character showcase. Yeah. Because I don't do, I do musical stuff. When it comes to like my own, like my own stuff, it's it's mostly all musical at this point. So that's not stand-up per se. Um, But at this point I could probably cobble together like a musical comedy stand-up set. But no, Montreal is the festival I've done. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and that went well. Yeah, it went well. It's a good good one to do if you're going to do one. <laughs> yeah, that's the one to do. That's the one to do. Yeah. Uh, have you ever thought of doing like Eden, like Edinburgh? I fringe? have. It's so much work. Yeah. Um, and I think that like, like right now I'm back on a robot chicken and pitching a new show. So like there just wouldn't be, because you got to go there for the whole summer. Oh. But that's definitely something that is in my, like the back of my mind. Yeah, yeah. like something in your life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. Cross that off the list. Um, robot chicken's doing a live show. Right? Did I see that? Are they? Sit in Sydney, Australia? Oh. In October, I yeah. think? Yeah. Did they? Are you involved? I just, I saw something online about that. I'm not. They announced that? Uh, yeah, I saw, I saw um, it on a website. And like, I don't know what that could be. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm going to look into that right after <laughs> this. I, I'm not involved with it. Okay. They've been talking about a live show forever. They've been talking about like, like every... Every time at work, they're like, oh, that sketch would be a great for the live show. We put it in like a live show file where it will never see yeah. the light of day. Because like, that's for our college tour. Like, but, but I guess this is something different, which is cool. I think they should do a live show. Cool. Yeah. I remember you, um, I remember you talking about that when we did Sketch Cram at yeah. UCB uh, and you talking about the live show thing um, and how crazy your schedule at Robot Chicken can get, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a lot of work. A lot of work. It's, but it's awesome. Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, just, you know, getting paid to write sketches all day is super really fun. Man, and that's got to be like the best, like the best form of just like staying on top of your game because you have to generate so much content, yeah. right? Because it's, I mean, I, I guess it's a shorter show, but it's also so much well, more Well, no, happening. but every day you're writing three to five full sketches. Yeah. Every day is like sketch cram, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's so, hard. So when you do it, when you're writing this coming month for Sketch Cram at UCB uh-huh. in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. guys, get your tickets. Yeah, get your tickets. <laughs> Will this be released before then? Yeah. Well, yeah. Is it this Saturday? It's this Saturday. Oh. Day uh, after tomorrow. Just kidding. Guys, you missed Rachel Bloom writing for You missed it, you assholes. <laughs> uh, but it will be released soon. Yes. So, yeah. Awesome. Um... Yeah, so sketch cram will just feel like a day. 
in like a at day the office. Shorter actually, because this month we're starting at ten. Ah. And then I actually have to leave a little halfway through to take my dog to a class. Oh, what class? Yeah, it's like a math class. No, it's like an <laughs> obedience class that I just had scheduled way before, and it's like an hour. So. Oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta. I canceled out on my obedience classes, and my dog is an asshole. I'm taking her to this place called the Blue Collar Working Dog, which is an adorable <laughs> name, and it's a class about distraction-free walking. What? Yeah, I know. I'm really excited because okay. she just gets distracted so easily when she's walking. Okay, after after we stop yeah. recording, I'm going to ask you yeah. details. Yeah, yeah. Somebody just told me about um, they took their dog to swimming classes. And I'm like, that's amazing. <gasps> My dog hates water. Otherwise, I'd do that. <sighs> Mine oh, too. Oh, that's adorable. I just want to throw him in a pool, though, and just like, oh, She hates water so much. Aww. Oh, little dog. He's swimming class. That's so adorable. <laughs> Can I say, I think dogs are cuter than kids. Oh, totally. Like, if you were like, could, you can watch a kid swimming class, like a baby swimming class, well, that'd be cute. Or like a yeah. dog swimming class. Oh, dogs. Dogs. 100%. Dogs. Across yeah. the board. Yeah, Leanna Grease. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was, that was oh, yeah, signed like for oh, a bunch of little... <laughs> They're just so cute. They are. They are very cute. I never loved dogs until I got a dog. And then, Me too. And now I love every dog. Oh, yeah. They're the best. Yeah. But before then, I was like, why do people like dogs so much? <laughs> yeah. They, like, like bite and they're scary. And then I love dogs now. Yeah. You get them. Yeah. You get dogs. And I bet your dogs love you more now because you love them. I think they do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know where to scratch them? Oh, they love it. Oh. I scratch their spines because they can't scratch their own spine. So I give them a really good spinal scratch. And they get that look in their eyes where they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, try that with your dog. Just scratch them on the spine. Do like the tongue like. Yeah. Oh, God. We have just evolved into doggy talk. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have children, people. These are our children. Yep. Um, Oh, oh. um, Yeah. One question. Uh Uh-huh. Does your family get it? Like. Like, what you do? Do, Are they like, are they, okay, so like, you wrote for the People's Choice Awards. Were they like, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They totally got it. They're very proud. My mom's like made a scrapbook. Yes. Uh Aww. Yeah, they totally get what I do. Um, Actually, ever since I was a little kid, my mom's been like, the writers, that's who makes TV. I actually think there was an episode of Seinfeld. It was, it was where. Was it the finale where George and Jerry are writing the show Jerry? Yeah. And George's parents are like, the writers, that's who does it. And that's like kind of what my mom has always said. So they, they understand the writing thing. And they understand the music videos. I think there are a couple instances where they can't see, they can only see me being their only daughter, their only child being like, you know, talking about fucking. And they, <laughs> and they can't step aside and be like, oh, well, why is, you know, okay, why is this, like, objectively funny and be like, oh, God, she's talking about fucking in this, you know? Yeah. But they get it. Good. Yeah. Oh, good. They get, like, the writing for TV thing and why it's important, and they're really proud, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, We had had Cody Fisher on uh, before, and she was talking about her, her, like, her parents, like, or, like, her mom's just like, eh, whatever. (laughs) But, like, what if she does, I'm like, oh, man, I would hate that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, look, there's, Explaining show business to your parents is like, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so specific and like, you know, they're, it's like any business, like, you know, 
My dad works in healthcare. There is a ton I don't understand about what he does that he's super excited about that I'm like, oh, cool, you know? So, <laughs> but they definitely like, especially when I say like people's choice words, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. we know that. Like yeah, that, you got this tangible thing. Yeah, like, it's very tangible. It's something they already know, something yeah. they already watched. So like, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, uh, do you miss New York? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you wish that all the stuff that you do out here, you could just do in New York? Yes. <laughs> I do. Yes. Yeah. All right. But there's no, but you know, I've settled into the lifestyle here. It's nice. You know, whenever I go to New York, my body starts hurting. It's a hard <laughs> lifestyle. It's yeah. difficult. You need a lot of money to live well in New York, whereas out here, to live well, to like feel at ease, you don't need as half as much money. Yeah. Like the, the cost of living is just less. But if you can afford it, I mean, New York is just like the best. It's awesome. Everything's just right around the corner. Everything's right around the corner. It's just like the, it's like the best. It's humanity behaving at the top of its intelligence. I like to think. And that's like mm. any like big major city. It's just people doing their best in every aspect. Whereas like LA is just kind of a spread out place. LA and New York are just so different. Yeah. Like they really, it's not fair to really compare them just because like LA is not really a centralized city. It's a Western, you know, it's, it's a Southwestern city. It's much more comparable to like, you know, from what I've heard, like a Phoenix or um, like San Francisco, New York. Yeah. Like you could totally compare those easier, you know, they're more like centralized cities, but I miss New York. Yeah. Mm. Do you ever perform out of the country? No. I mean, except for Montreal, not yet. Oh, yeah. I'd like to. Yeah? Yeah. Like, uh, go on a tour, like, go to Amsterdam or... Uh, yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be very cool. Oh, you know, I did, a, I did a summer in Amsterdam, actually. I didn't perform, but, like, I did an acting kind of summer in Amsterdam, where, where it was, like, with my school. Oh, well, that's It was, neat. like, a bunch of workshops. Yeah, it was really fun. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Makes me think of... um. Musical theater Bavaria, the like German version, like German musical theater. It wasn't musical theater. I switched halfway through college into uh, NYU's broken into acting studios. So I went to the musical theater studio, Cap 21, but then I transferred into the experimental theater wing. So I did um, there. I did that studios abroad program called the International Theater Workshop, where we had like a clowning teacher (gasps) and then like. I did a Brechtian autobiography class, which was basically telling a story from your life, uh, stepping outside of yourself and then picking a very specific genre. Um, So like I told the story of this like messed up love story as like a children's fairy tale theater type thing. Yeah. It was really fun. Oh, that's cool. That reminds me of, um, I don't know if I've told this on this podcast, you know, you ever like tell those stories? You're like, did I already tell this? Um, Uh Uh-huh. Uh, in, in college I did, uh, we, I did a like group project on, uh, on Brittle Brecht, uh, uh-huh. and we had to do like a reading and, um, like everybody was supposed to like really prepare for this, uh-huh. but we were like, oh, it's Brittle Brecht. Like we don't have to, we don't have to do shit. We can just read from our papers because uh-huh. we're like supposed to like kind of embody the uh-huh. idea. So we were like, we totally fucked That's it. That's amazing because like, it's like, oh, it's emotionally detached. Right. So. so we just like read from scripts because like, we're like, oh, he totally would have loved that. Just people That's reading from so scripts. So funny. Did you get away with it? <laughs> oh, totally. We got A's. It was great. She oh was like, God. oh, very, th- like, very great idea. Great way of doing it. But like, like, that is a really great way of doing it. <laughs> like, it's a cop out, but yeah. it's also not. One time I was in a class where we had to do a project 
I've told this story before, so I apologize if people are listening have heard this story, but I was in a class where we had to explore the line, this was experimental, of we'll do something, do a short theater piece that explores the line between what is theater and what is not theater. So like people were working really hard. I remember a lot of, someone just like sat on stage and ate their lunch. Another guy like tried to push the floor down and it ended up being this really beautiful dance where he, he was like trying to, trying to push the floor down. But all I did was like, <laughs> I didn't prep prayer at all. I just set my phone alarm for four minutes, stepped on stage and took out my right breast and then just stood there and stared at everyone. Uh, for four minutes with my tit out. <laughs> and the teacher was like, that was brilliant. <laughs> and because in a way it was doing the assignment of like, because two breasts is porn, but one breast out just looks <laughs> weird. And then you're just staring at people. So it actually like did the assignment perfectly and I didn't have to prepare. So it's like you get these great twists of fate where like you yeah, like, oh, this is easy. Also, it kind of does it. And everyone got to see your boob. Everyone got to see my one boob hanging out. Yeah. My boobs are very heavy. Ah. So, so like, it was, yeah. Yes. The bra is the only thing that keeps them. They're already, I mean, after I guess at this point, like 10 years of being fairly big, they're they're starting to like sag a little, you know? Natural boobs tend to do. Yeah. But when I get them up in a bra, it's fine. But like when you take it out, it's like, whomp. <laughs> like I'm, I'm playing, you can't see, but I'm playing with them now and they're very... I mean, you see there's a heft to them, right? Yeah. yeah. We're all doing it. We're yeah, all... we're all doing it. Ah. Yeah. Oh, they're great. Thank you. Yeah. No, I'm very proud of them. They're, yeah. they're heavy and they're natural. That's good. I love that you own it, that you're like, I got big boobies, so I'm going to write a song about boobies. Yeah, you know. Look at them. You, you know how I do. Them. It's great. That's how I do. That's awesome. Thank you. I love it. I love like just owning that. You're like... Yeah. Well, also, if, if, you're, if you're satirizing pop music, which is all about sex nowadays, yeah. like you... You kind of, and you're a woman. Yeah. You have to sexualize yourself. Oh, yeah. Because otherwise you're not playing pop. The pop right. any woman in pop music debases herself. I mean, just fucking is in a bikini and yeah. like practically is shoving a dildo up her pussy. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, you know, like guys are sexualized, but like it's more about them sexualizing women, you know? Yeah. But like if you're a woman doing pop, like, you, it's some, you, you just end up sexualizing yourself. You know, that's, that's actually been an interesting thing for me learning as a comedy writer that like, even though I don't, I'm not, I don't have like a feminist, I don't, I don't, I don't approach things with being like, well, this is going to be a feminist piece. Right. Um, there is a difference, a slight difference in like lady perspective. Yeah. That like you only notice when other people like point it out to you. Yeah. And it's just, I've thought about it a lot lately. Like, well, what's, what's something, what's the difference between writing, sexualizing yourself in the context for a male viewer and then sexualizing yourself for a female viewer to be like, oh yeah, I get what you're doing there. Yeah. You know, hmm. it's a really fine line. Have you, have you figured out? I think if just do what's funny <laughs> is, yeah. what I, is what I figured out. Yeah. And some people will choose to look at the piece being like, oh God, her tits are out. I'm going to fucking jerk off to this. And other people will be like, oh, her tits are out. That's so funny because like everyone's tits are out. And, right. and so I just, oh, you can't worry a, about that shit. It's making a point. Ha ha ha. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Of this other thing. Yeah. When you just, I mean, also when you do stuff on the internet, everyone's going to find some way to dislike something. Oh like, yeah. Like you can't. YouTube's the worst. Yeah, you can't 
please everyone. So yeah. Do you ever do you read YouTube comments or you yeah you ban yourself from it? Oh no, I read them of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you don't like take the ones that are like dicky seriously. No, the ones that bother me a little are the ones that are very articulate about why the thing isn't funny. Where it's like uh, this isn't funny, but the ones where it's like she's ugly or she's fat. Although actually that does make me feel a little sad. Like the occasional comments like that. Um, it's because also being in LA and seeing like how skinny people are. Yeah. I never thought I wasn't skinny and I, and I think I am skinny, but like, um, I just, when I started to gain a little more weight in New York, I just didn't think about it. And out here I'm like, oh wow, everyone's so skinny. Yeah. You know? I feel the same way. I'm yeah. Like, I think about it all the time. All the time. All the time. You know what? Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Thank you for having me. Oh, it was such a pleasure to to talk to you and get to know a little bit more about you. Yeah. Um, uh, I've gotten to see you quite a bit around the UCB, of course, mm-hmm. and your videos are really fantastic. Um, uh, I know you have a your website, rachelsdoesstuff.com, mm-hmm. and that stays pretty up to date. I yeah. see. You're constantly updating that I with try. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Um, so is there anything that you want to plug before we go? No. No, 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 no. no. I'll keep any updates on my website. All right. So you still robot chicken. You still. I am tentatively. And I. Okay. Well, okay. I think this is happening. Um, I'm putting out an album of Hanukkah comedy songs, I think. (gasps) Awesome. In November. Oh, my gosh. And and that's That's so And that's a collaboration with uh, Jack, my producer, and then my boyfriend, Dan Greger, who's a performer at the theater, uh, and all three of us are Jewish, and uh, my boyfriend uh, went to a yeshiva growing up. So I think saying it out loud will make us do it. I think we want to do an album of, of Hanukkah comedy songs. Because all we have as Jews is the fucking Adam Sandler comedy song. <laughs> yeah. So I think that'll be happening. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> that is like so needed, like beyond needed. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited, yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to that. And um, so you have two albums out now. Mm-hmm. My goodness. So to those of you who are... It'll be the first album. I have one album out. Okay. And that'll be the second. Okay, I gotcha. Guess. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, well, thank you, Rachel, for coming on. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Comedy Girl Crush. Uh, please, if you liked what you heard today, leave a comment here. Subscribe to this iTunes page. And I love you. And uh, I love you, Rachel. You're wonderful. I love you, too. Yay! Yay!